You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Hey, welcome to Calvary. I cannot begin to tell you how long I've waited to say that. Wow. Wow, it is, uh, it is so good to see you. I can't even put into words how much I've missed you. Because um, how, how, I'm serious. Because you know what I do on Sunday? I listen to myself. It's the worst. And, uh, and then my family, they, they, they just watch me watching me. It's so weird. And so anyway, um, I, one thing I'll tell you just kind of as we get started and... Um, is that <clears throat> I know it, sometimes it's hard to hear uh, because you're wearing the mask. So if you're laughing, you know, feel free to like slap, you know, anything that, I c- that you can do to make, let me know that it's, it's going good. I mean, if you want to do one of these, whatever, man, you know, it's, make it happen. But it's our first time back, so I'm expecting it to be a little bit rowdy. Um, so, all right, so where do we begin? Oh, gosh, it's been so long. Well, let me, let me start here. Let me start at my wife and I's first date. Um, now, there's a whole part of the story that my wife basically had to tell me to ask her out. And that, that's true. Now, you have to understand something, and that is that I'm a musician. And musicians don't typically have to ask girls out. They get asked out by girls. And, and I'm not saying that's how it works, especially if you're in a band. Um, and, and so... And I'm not saying that's right or whatever. I'm just saying that's how it was, especially when I was 19 and I met my wife. I showed up at her house on a Friday night and uh, I walked up to the door. And just before I knocked, let me just tell you what I was wearing. I was wearing this black T-shirt that in big orange letters said Star Blazers. Now, you got to understand something about Star Blazers. Star Blazers is a Japanese anime TV show that was called Space Battleship Yamato, but in, they had overdubbed it in English uh, to be called Star Blazers. It's my favorite TV show growing up, still my favorite TV show all these years later. In fact, as I was writing this message today, as I was looking over the notes, I thought to myself, I wonder. So I went online and I just looked up Star Blazers t-shirt. Needless to say, one's coming in the mail in just a couple of weeks. It's just, I'm very excited. Oh, honey, by the way, I ordered a shirt. Uh, didn't mention that. So anyway, so I got the, um, so I, I'm wearing this Star Blazers t-shirt. I'm wearing a pair of pajama pants that I bought at a thrift store for a dollar, but I didn't want pajama pants. I wanted pajama shorts, so I cut them. And you know what happens after you cut something and you don't hem it? It's, it's got all of those little what, fr- strings. Phrase, thank you. That's, that's what it's called. All right, so, uh, so it's all frayed, and the frays were really long. I mean, they were down to my shoes. And so, anyway, so Starblazer shirt, the pajama pants, uh, dressing for success, and then I got the phrase on, and then I was wearing this plaid baseball cap that I had backwards because I had a purple mohawk and, uh, that I was growing out because I didn't want to have it anymore, so I was growing it out. So this part was purple, this part was coming in black, and so I'm like, yeah, I don't want to look bad. Uh, and so I put this baseball cap on backwards, and then because I was growing my hair out, I started growing a beard 
at the same time. So uh, um, if you've ever seen like the early stages of a Chia pet, you've seen what's going on here. Like it's just, it's getting a little, it's a little patchy. Well, anyway, uh, I show up at the door. Now, mind you, this guy, this 19 year old kid knocks on the door and it's like, hi, I'm here to pick up your daughter. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, you got something. You no, know, no, that's, and uh, anyway, you can imagine I was not met with enthusiasm by Carrie's dad, Carrie's stepdad. He was not a fan of me. Thankfully, 27 years have gone by and he's still not a fan of me. And uh, thankfully, the feeling's mutual. So anyway, uh, now here's, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever been in the place, have you ever been in the place where you're just wearing the wrong thing? Like you are just not dressed for the moment. And, and, and even if you, you ever have this where you go into a wedding, but you have to stop and get gas. So you get out to get gas and you're at a gas station, but you're wearing a tuxedo. And then people at the gas station are looking at you and they're like, what kind of an idiot wears a tuxedo to a gas station? And then, and, and maybe you've been like me where I've gotten gas and then I've seen somebody wearing a tuxedo and I'm saying to myself, what kind of an idiot wears a tuxedo to a gas station? And of course, the reality is you aren't dressed for the gas station, you're dressed for where it is that you're headed. But once again, and, and I believe that that's really part of God's message for us today, whether you realize it or not. You and I are engaged in a spiritual battle. And whether you are headed to the grocery store or to work or to the beach, we've got to dress for the battle that we find ourselves in. And the good news is it's not gear that you have to buy. It's a spiritual disposition that we have to adopt because we have an enemy. And listen, we have an enemy that used to work behind the scenes. But I don't know, I, I, I'm looking at 2020 and I'm just saying like the devil is like just putting his stamp of approval on all the crazy stuff going on right now between coronavirus, locusts. We talked about that a while back. Uh, if you heard about the murder hornets, that was, if you haven't looked that up, then there's the dust storm headed from Africa. And then have you heard about the meth gators? If you haven't, well, don't worry, I'm going to tell you about them. Um, so here's what's happening. And this is happening like in, um, you know, uh, kind of middle America. People are flushing meth, methamphetamine. They're flushing it down the toilet. It's getting flushed out into like swamp areas. The gators are eating the meth. Apparently they've been watching Breaking Bad. And so the, they're eating the meth. And now we have alligators that are addicted to meth as if we needed more problems. Like, seriously, we need gators with the munchies. Uh, it's just, it's not going to be a good thing. Now, you see all this. I'm watching all this happen in our world. I'm just waiting for the commercial to end and to hear, I'm Satan, and I approve this message. I mean, it's crazy. So, we're starting this brand new series of teachings that we're calling Suit Up. And it's based on a very famous section of verses found at the end of Ephesians um, and just so if you're not aware, Ephesians, in the, it's an epistle in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the church at Ephesus was a very well-known church. It's one of the churches that we know the most about in uh, antiquity. The Apostle Paul, as I mentioned, planted the church at Ephesus. He stayed there for about two, anywhere from 18 months, two and a half years, teaching the church. After leaving, he appointed his son in the faith, Timothy, to be the pastor of the church. So when you read First and Second Timothy in the New Testament, you know that it was being written to Timothy while he was pastoring the church at Ephesus. Later, many years later, the apostle John 
one of the 12 and one of the inner three that Jesus spent time with, uh, the apostle John became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And the last time that we hear about Ephesus is it's mentioned in the book of Revelation chapter two, where Jesus sends seven letters to seven churches. And it, the first one that's mentioned is the church at Ephesus. Now, equally interesting, if you're a little bit of a Bible nerd like me, is what Paul was doing, or more specifically where he was when he was writing this letter to the Ephesians. Now, Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem. He had been a part of these kind of mock trials. He, and so as a Roman citizen, if you felt like you weren't getting justice, you could just say in the middle of your trial, I appeal to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, you had a right to go to the capital city of Rome and present yourself to the emperor and then tell uh, him the injustice that was happening and plead your case to him. And so because that happened, he pleaded his case to Caesar. And if you want to read this, this is all background. From Acts 21 through 28, you read about the story of him being arrested in Jerusalem and then him making it at the end of uh, Acts 28 all the way to Jerusalem. So he finds himself on house arrest because he is accused of a crime. So they put him essentially on house arrest as he waits for his day to appear before Caesar. And during that time, he writes four epistles that we find that have survived antiquity and we find in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, uh, this little letter called Philemon, and the book of Philippians. Now, the way that uh, house arrest work at that time is that you were literally chained to a Roman guard, which served as the inspiration for the armor that Paul is going to describe. And what I love is, and, uh, is that Many of the soldiers, could you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul and you weren't a Christian? And it's like, well, how long's your shift? Eight hours? Well, we got to get started. And so he, um, and, and it's, you really start thinking after, it's like, you know, I'm sure after like four or five hours, people were like, so Paul's chained to a guard? It's like, nah, the guard's chained to him because he's preaching to him the whole time. And I didn't put this in uh, your notes, but you'll see it up on the screen in the book of Philippians. Paul says this, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So the whole idea, the entire palace guard is hearing the gospel. And at the end of Philippians, right at the very end, second to last verse, he says this, he says, all God's people here send your greeting, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So this is not just the family of Caesar, this is everyone that worked there in the palace of the emperor. So what Paul's gonna do in this time is he's gonna walk us through these six pieces of armor and we're gonna take one piece a week because it's so rich and it's an important thing for us uh, to see if we are gonna win the battle that we find ourselves in. And so what he does is, is that he sets it up by explaining the kind of fight that we're in and then what kind of battle, uh, what kind of battle gear we need to have on. So it starts, and you'll see it in your notes in verse 10. It says this, finally, my brethren... <laughs> Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, 
having gird your waist with truth. And if you pause there and give me your attention, Paul says that we need to put on the whole armor of God. Why is that? Because we don't battle against flesh and blood. And that means that the armor, if, if the battle isn't physical, then the armor isn't physical either. It's spiritual armor designed to help us in a spiritual battle. But there's action required on our part. And I want you to note the thing that he says over and over. He says, be strong. That word in the Greek language means explosive power. And in the power of his might, where he talks about the ability of God. He talks about this, that we need to stand. He says it a couple different times. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Why is that? Because in a fight, if you're down and you stay down, the fight's over. So we've got to do everything to not just stand, but keep standing, not just move, but keep moving forward. And that's why these six pieces of spiritual armor are vital for every believer, and that this is the difference, this armor is the difference between standing or falling. And so Paul opens by encouraging us to put on, he says, having girded your waist with truth. He's speaking of a belt of truth. And what does that mean? When we talk, he talks about girding your waist, your your belt, this putting this belt of truth on, what does that mean? I believe it means three things in particular. If you're a note taker, here's the first one. It means this, that your actions are to be determined by truth. Now, when he says, and I know that it's kind of weird language for us, when he says, having girded your waist with truth, you're like, well, what in the world does that mean? The idea of girding your waist, in another passage in the New Testament, it says, gird up the, your loins. I mean, what does that mean? That is um, a first century clothing choice. Now, here's what you got to understand about the Middle East. The Middle East is very warm for most of the year. And so in that culture, people wore long robes, not just for the sake of modesty, but also because it created a breeze. And um, which once again, which is good for keeping cool, not great if you want to be active. And so if you needed to run or work or defend yourself, the length of the robe became a nuisance. And so you would gird your loins. That is that you would tuck the end of your robe into your belt and thus it would create some mobility for your legs. And so just to uh, give you a bit of a picture, uh, check this video out. In ancient times in the Middle East, men traditionally wore a robe as part of their everyday attire. The robe is not to be confused with a dress or mumu. It was a practical adaptation from a desire to appear modest and to keep cool in a warm climate. This everyday attire, however, did present some practical challenges. For example, if he had to lift something heavy, requiring him to squat or to bend his legs, providing a strong lifting base, the robe would prove to be a limitation. Or if he wanted to play a game involving running or kicking a ball, the robe would limit his range of motion, or if he were attacked by a wild animal. When he wanted to accomplish something difficult, these limitations led to the phrase, gird up your loins, or gird up your loincloth. First, a man would reach between his legs and grab the backside of his robe and pull it upward toward his waist. Next, the robe would be tucked into the man's belt, securing it. After a man would gird up his loins, he would have better mobility, like squatting to lift, running in place. 
kicking a ball and standing in a wide stance defensive posture. Seeing a man who has girded up his loins was a common sight in the ancient world. Although able to move about with greater freedom, he looked ridiculous, as if he were wearing a diaper. This gave way to what we refer to as pants. So there you have it. I've never been so grateful for jeans. And so, so here's the case that uh, Paul, his point that, that he makes, and what he wants us to do is if you're going to having gird up your waist with truth, is that what causes us to move confidently and freely is truth. And the issue is, is that we love truth as long as it agrees with what we want. And if there is truth, like, because we have names for truth, that things that we don't like. So if somebody call, says something that we don't like, and we call it, we call it fake news, we call it unscientific, we say this, hey, that's your truth, but it's not my truth. Now let me tell you something, there is no such thing as your truth or my truth, there is only the truth, and everything else is either emotion, opinion, or spin. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion, nothing wrong with emotion, uh, I pers for, and I'll give you an idea, I think cauliflower is a tool of the devil. That's one, and it's based on violent emotions that I have toward cauliflower. Uh, but it's not truth. Truth is the objective standard by which reality is measured. It's an objective standard by which reality is measured. And here's where we get into trouble is that when we make decisions based on how we feel and then call that the truth. Because how we feel changes all the time. You ever made a decision based on emotion and almost immediately regretted it? In fact, some of us drove in that decision to get here today, right? Like, oh, man. and every time you get in the car, you're like, if I could go back, you know, you sing that song by Cher. If I could turn back time, I'd go back to that car lot, right? And so that's the challenge. And so that's why in... in um, in the book of Proverbs, in the message, which is a paraphrase, but I just love how Eugene Peterson gets this. He says this. He says, a sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. What this means is that emotional decisions that aren't based on truth end up hurting us. And we already know that. In fact, we're experts at that. Right? I'm not even going to ask how many people have ever engaged in a thing called emotional eating. And I know all of us have. That's why the virus is called COVID-19. COVID is the name of the virus, the 19 or the pounds that you gained in quarantine. <laughs> That's how that works. And let me tell you something. If Oreos created immunity to coronavirus, we would all be indestructible by now. And so, but here's the thing. Have you noticed that emotional eating is never healthy? You've never called your friend like, hey, what are you doing? Man, I just I had so much going on, so I just sat down to eat some Brussels sprouts and kale. You're like, are you emotional eating? No. Well, you're like, what are you doing? I'm eating a pizza and cake, and I'm washing it down with a Coke Zero. That's the epitome of emotional eating. A man, a man who eats 3,000 calories and washes it down with a diet soda to somehow appease his conscience, right? <laughs> I used to do that. I did. I used to do that. I, I would eat like two pieces of cake and an entire pizza. Like, you know what? I'll have Diet Coke. And uh, <laughs> you're adding minutes back to your life. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry. Whew. Okay. 
Sorry, I've preached in front of people. I preached in front of the Calvary staff, and they're basically working while I've been preaching. They're like answering emails and stuff. Anyway, so, and, and so listen, emotions are great. They're God-given, but they just can't be the only factor in decision-making because our emotions are too fickle. But when we decide to replace truth with emotion, it doesn't end well. Wisdom is when we recognize that emotions are leading and we seek to curb it. We replace it with truth and we seek God's help in making wise and godly decisions. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. If your actions are determined by truth, here's the second thing, and this is huge. Your outlook is informed by truth. Now, this is the way where I want to drill down a little bit because every person has an outlook on life. We call it a worldview. And your worldview is what you believe about reality. It's what you believe about life. It's what you believe about what's best for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your future. And your, your worldview impacts how you live. It impacts what you love. It impacts who you vote for. It impacts what you believe at the core of your being. And every person has a worldview. Now, here's what happened. I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a while back, and he was telling me that, uh, and this is a guy I've known for a long time, and he's like, you know, I think the problem is Christians should stay out of politics. And so I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, because you shouldn't push one religion over another. And I said, where do you see that happening in America where someone's pushing one belief system over another in American politics? And he goes, well, I think the, re the only reason that some politicians back certain policies is because they're Christians. And I said, that's fair enough, that, that might be true. I said, but isn't it also possible that some politicians back other legislation because they aren't Christians and it aligns with their worldview? And he said, yeah, but I'm okay with that. And, and I said, well, then aren't you or they as guilty as you're saying that Christians are because you just happen to like the place where they land because their worldview aligns with yours? And then he realized he had backed himself into a corner and then he's like, hey, you know, how about those patriots? And so he just changed the conversation. But I mean, we're living in a time, a very challenging time, when it is difficult. Have you noticed this? That it's just very difficult to have a rational conversation with people who might disagree with you. Um, and, and, and listen, and for many people, and, th and much of this is because their worldview is not based on truth. It's based on feelings, and feelings change all the time. And many people, and once again, and I've shared this, and, and, and I've had people that, I'm, that I've been friends with for a long time that, that maybe aren't Christians, um, and this guy in particular, as I was talking to, um, they, they don't think that their worldview is based on feelings. And so, like a friend of mine who said, uh, he isn't a, he's not a Christian. He's like, I don't, I'm not a Christian because Christians deny science. And I'm always like, well, where is that? You know, where, do you have any scientific proof of that? And, um, and so, so I said, I said, so you only believe something if there are scientific facts behind it. He said, that's absolutely right. I said, okay, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. I said, all right, this is a very, let, let's start simple. How many genders are there? He's like, uh, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? It's a simple question. I just need a number. How many genders are there? And he's like, well, I don't know if you can just go by biology. And he's like, I'm like, okay. Now, is the problem science? Because science has a very clear answer. And it ain't one, and it ain't three. But it's, we're getting there, right? It's two. 
that's the number we're going for here. And so, and, and so I said, so really the problem is your issue isn't science because according to science, there's only two genders, but now you're believing some spin over what's true. And once again, so how the Red Sox doing? You know, so the conversation changed. And so, because here's the point, everybody has a worldview. And that doesn't mean that everyone's worldview is carefully thought out or that it's even fundamentally sound. Everyone has a worldview because their worldview, whether they even recognize it or not, it's guiding the decisions that they make and it's what they believe about reality, what they believe is best for their family, their community, and their world. And as Christians, we need to have a grasp on the truth and be able to answer the questions that people have about the truth. And, and one of Peter, uh, Jesus' disciples, Peter, probably the most famous disciple, when he wrote this letter, his first letter, he said it this way. He said, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, it's not just having the answer to the question. It's doing it in a gentle and respectful way. This is why social media doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work in general, but it certainly doesn't work for this. And if you're not aware, social media is like the bar scene from Star Wars, all right? It's just filled with mutants and who knows what else, right? Obi-Wan Kenobi, talking about this, the bar scene, Moss Eisley Spaceport, he said, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. And you're like, are you calling everyone on social media scum and villainy? No, I didn't say that. Obi-Wan Kenobi said that. So direct all of your rage over to Lucasfilm. Anyway, my point is this, is that answering questions about what's true and the nature of truth is part of what evangelism has become in the 21st century. It's not just quoting Bible verses to people and expecting them to believe them. Unchurched people aren't biblically literate. They don't know anything about the Bible. We need to approach them where they are and start where they are, not essentially where we want them to be and help them understand uh, this important truth that Christianity makes sense and that Christianity is the only worldview that holds up against scrutiny. Third thing I wanna tell you about truth and that is that your thoughts are transformed by truth. There's a couple things that I wanna say here because I believe that of all people, Christians should be thinkers. You see, a lot of times people are under the impression that Christianity is a faith where you check your brain at the door. Just the opposite. If you read the Bible, you'll find, right, you gotta love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The idea is, is that you've got to engage your brain to worship God and follow him. You see, Christians should be thinkers, not just because we help people who are far from God follow Jesus. And that's big. But changing your thinking is part of how God changes you. Now, I want to drill down on this idea because I think it's so important. And sometimes as Christians, we miss it. The Apostle Paul Later, writing to the Romans, he says this. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If this world is trying to conform you into its way of thinking, into its worldview, then the only way to combat it is to allow God to transform 
the way that you think. And that word transformed is this Greek word metamorphomai. Metamorphomai is where we get our English word metamorphosis. Most of us want to change. We want to be transformed. And we believe that just asking God to do it will make it happen. When the reality is so often, and if you've been walking with God for any length of time, you probably know this to be the case, is that God, here's what he does. He transforms us by changing the way that we think. And that translates into different actions and different emotions. So how do you deal with things like anxiety? and worry. This belt of truth that we're talking about, that's how you deal with it. How do I, let me explain that. Jesus saying in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look at these words for a minute. Why do you worry? And then he says this, consider. Do you know what that word consider means in the Greek language? It means this, to learn thoroughly, consider deeply, and note carefully. And here's what it means is add truth to that emotion and you will start feeling completely different. Well, what about when I'm feeling overwhelmed or pain comes into my life or I get hit with some bad news or this year didn't turn out the way that I wanted to? How does the belt of truth help me there? Well, here's how that works. And Here's Paul again in Romans chapter 8. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. By the way, that word consider, different Greek word, but here's what it talks about. It means to calculate, take inventory, and to conclude. Paul is saying, when I get hit with bad news, here's what I do. I deepen my thinking about the right things, and it changes the emotions that I'm feeling, and it sets my course the right way. This isn't in your notes, and I apologize for it, but if you just write this down, Philippians chapter 4. Around the same time that Paul was writing, when he was in prison, he said this at the end of Philippians. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And you know why this is important? Because of a principle that Jesus taught. Now, I'm going to share you a verse that doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, or even if you're not a Christian, that you know this verse, right? Here's, you'll see it up on the screen. John 8. It says, and you, will know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And everybody uses this um, about anything, right? You know, what about, you know, what ingredients are in these cupcakes? And then it has the ingredients, and now you know the truth. And the truth will make you free, but it does not stop the carbs from coming. So it's, what, is it, what does that mean? The problem is, is that we pull this verse out of an entire context. So let me read you the context and you'll kind of understand what Jesus is saying. Look what he says. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides in the house forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I want you to understand something, that there's this group of people, the whole group that are following Jesus, and there's a group of people that believe him, 
They're Jews that have now decided to follow Jesus. And he says this, if you abide in my words, if you center your life around my teachings, you are going to know the truth. And you know what that truth will do? It will bring freedom in your life rather than slavery to anything else. And then there's a group of people who don't believe. And they're like, no, no, no. What are you talking about being free? We've never been slaves to anyone. And I'm thinking to myself, as, I, as you read that, you're like, you forgot your own history. What about the 400 years that you were slaves in Egypt? What about when you were slaves when the Assyrians carried you away? What about when Babylon showed up in 586 BC and carried you away for 70 years? What about when Alexander the Great conquered the known world and you were enslaved to the Greeks? And then Alexander died and his kingdom was divided amongst his four generals. And for the next hundred years, they were conquered over and over, depending on which army of which general was doing better. And, And while they were speaking, saying that we've never been slaves, they were enslaved by Rome. That's why Jesus says, don't you get it? This is, I'm not talking about political slavery. We're talking about slavery that happens whenever you find yourself serving something that demands everything and never delivers on what it promises. And he's saying this, that when you center your life around my teachings, Jesus says, you will know truth and you will be free from the sin, the addictions, the ideas, the destructive habits and the runaway emotions that will enslave you. Even in your narrative, when you claim that you've never been a slave, you've been believing a lie, and that very lie has been enslaving you as well, because everyone is a servant to something. And so Jesus is offering us a truth that will set us free, set us free from the false narratives that we create about ourselves, false ideas that we believe about ourselves. And when we shed these lies, when we shed these things that we think about ourselves, that we find ourselves even addicted to, and that have led us astray, we will find that his truth, the truths of the gospel, bring the thing that we've wanted the most, freedom. And it all begins with this piece of armor that isn't actually a piece of armor, right? No one has ever said, I say, you know, I'm so glad I was in that fight and I had a belt. But see, what this belt does is that it simply holds everything else together so that you can use now the other pieces of the armor that you need. Because that's what truth does. It holds us together. It keeps us on course. It keeps us moving and keeps us from getting sidetracked and keeps us from getting preoccupied with the wrong thing. It keeps us moving and it holds us together even when the world is falling apart. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you for that very reality that we can wear this belt of truth that the truth when we center our lives around the teachings of your son and serve you that it'll bring us the thing that we've always sought and that is to be free and so Lord may you do that work God I'm so grateful that we've begun the journey to getting back to normal It's been a long road to get here and we look forward to the steps that we're gonna take together as we journey together as a family. And we're grateful for that. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.